0: Welcome to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation, the future radio. I'm your host, Brother Mike hotel. It is Tuesday, April 26th, 2022, and we are live. The call-in number is 313-778-7600. Here's the call-in number if you have a question or comment, 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. All right, so we have a uh, jam-packed show, and also we'll give you some more information about the One Africa Power and Unity Conference coming up Saturday, April 30th, and Sunday, uh, May 1st at the DoubleTree Hotel here in Detroit, and I'll be there, and many of the scholars who we've had on the show the past couple of weeks will be there as well. Okay, so i want to follow up on a story that uh, we did uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, actually last week I think it was uh uh April 20th uh we did a story dealing with uh congressional districts uh, civil rights groups filed a lawsuit over Florida congressional map civil rights groups file lawsuit over Florida congressional map signed by governor Ron DeSantis that eliminates uh, that, that eliminates uh two black districts that eliminates two black districts and uh, we talked about this, uh, last week, it was Friday. Uh, let me see. Uh, we talked about this on a Sunday show because, uh, this article came out Friday, April 22nd. We talked about this on a Sunday show. And when I was on Roland Martin unfiltered on Friday, uh, we discussed this as well. And I did not get a chance to share that segment from uh Roland Martin unfiltered. So we're going to, uh, we'll talk about it today. Um, And this, once again, is an example of how elections have consequences. And unfortunately, so many of our people don't understand history. And Florida was the first uh, state to have poll taxes going back to 1889. Uh, 1889, Florida was the first state to have poll taxes. Then 1890, the state of Mississippi instituted poll taxes at the Mississippi State Convention where they rewrote the state constitution. And then the other former Confederate States, uh, South Carolina, 1895, Louisiana, 1898, Alabama, 1901, Georgia, North Carolina, things like this. These other former Confederate States copied what Mississippi did. And it was known as the Mississippi plan. But it started in 1889 in Florida, okay? So, uh, we're going to talk, uh, some about that again today, and I'll let you hear the segment from Roland Martin Unfiltered, where we talked about this. Then also, um, on uh, yesterday's show, Monday's show, uh, we talked about the lawsuit that attorney Ben Crump, uh, has filed against the, uh, Wells, against Wells Fargo. Uh, Civil rights attorney Ben Crump says Wells Fargo's discriminatory loan practices uh, is killing black opportunity. And this dealt with a story that we uh, talked about here on this show back in uh, March of 2022 that dealt with uh, Wells Fargo um, only approving 47% of the Uh, loan uh, of the home refinance applications uh, from African-Americans, okay? Only 47% were approved. Uh, Well, we know that on Monday, April 25th, there was a press conference uh, that was held uh, in Atlanta. And we're going to share some more of that press conference today. Also, uh, after yesterday's show, I did some more searching on this story And uh, some uh, local news, some various local uh, news organizations covered this story. Okay. And there was one story. uh, There was one uh, uh, WSB TV uh, out of Atlanta covered this story. So I'm going to let you hear some of their coverage of this as well. I still haven't seen a lot of national stories on this. New York Times, Washington Post, things like this. But I saw some local coverage uh, on this story. So we'll talk about that uh, again on today's show. And uh, we have an update for you as well. But this goes back to the story from Bloomberg. Um, This goes back to the story from Bloomberg, March 11th, 2022. Uh, Wells Fargo rejected half of its uh, uh, let's see, pull it up here. Wells Fargo rejected half of its black applicants in mortgage refinance. Boom. Okay. And Wells Fargo was the only, um, lender that turned, that uh, turned down more African American applicants than it approved. Okay. They only approved 47% of the, um, applicants who were trying to refinance their, uh, home mortgages. Okay. So we'll talk about this 47% and, uh, compared to 72% of white homeowners. They were the only, uh, lender who, who turned down more African Americans, uh, who applied to refinance their, uh, mortgages than they actually approved. So we'll talk about this today. Then Uh, Late today, this story came out, I saw this story from businessinsider.com, and this deals with President Joe Biden and uh, student loan forgiveness. Um, Businessinsider.com is reporting, and I'm going to pull this uh, article up here. Businessinsider.com is reporting on a meeting that took place today with the uh, uh, Congressional Hispanic Caucus. Um, Let me see. Let's go to this one here. Biden reportedly told lawmakers um, he's looking for ways to forgive most or all federal debt. Biden reportedly told lawmakers he's looking for ways to forgive most or all federal debt and uh this came out of a 90-minute meeting that president joe biden had with the congressional hispanic caucus cbs.com report cbs news reported on this today this is insider.com picked up this story so we're going to uh uh talk about this uh as well later in the show okay because i knew something was going to break on this i've been following Uh, this story, as I have other things dealing with the administration. And one of the things that doesn't get really talked about, and when I was on uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were scheduled to talk about it, but uh, we we just were able to spend a few minutes on it. Because sometimes we have to cover breaking news and different things like this, but did you hear that the biden harris administration unveiled government-wide action plans uh on racial equality did you hear about that okay i saw very little coverage about this in mainstream media TheGrio.com has an article on it because they're african-american owned and operated and a lot of the you know even though half their articles They pick up from the Associated Press, which I understand because you have to pay people to write articles. But a lot of these, a lot of this information dealing with how the policies from the Biden-Harris administration are helping African-Americans, a lot of this you don't see in uh, mainstream media, Okay, which is one of the reasons why African-American owned and operated media is so important. And one of the reasons why it's important to support the African History Network show. Okay, because this type of information that I deal with, you won't find in a lot of other places. Uh, this article right here from the Griot. And uh, okay, that's not the one I want me pull this up here because I have so many articles bookmarked. Let me pull this one up here um, and we're going to post this on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. We're going to try to squeeze in. Uh, a little bit of this information today. If not today, then uh, we'll get it in um, Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, On Wednesday's show, we're going to be joined once again by one of my teachers, Professor Kappa hiawatha You've seen him in the uh, Hidden Colors documentaries. You've seen him in uh, 1804. Uh, You've seen him, uh, he and Professor Small and myself were in the uh, documentary: Elementary Genocide Part Three. I'm in seven documentaries. Actually, I don't talk about a whole lot, but I'm in seven documentaries. Uh, we're in Elementary Genocide Part Three together, from director Raheem Shabazz. But uh, we'll ha- uh, Professor Kabah Professor Kabahaiwa the is going to be one of the one of the presenters at the One Africa Power and Unity Conference taking place here in Detroit, uh, Saturday, thirtieth through uh, Sunday, May 1st, visit our website, africanhistorynetwork.com. We have the information there, how you can get tickets. If you can't attend in person, you can uh, watch online. Okay. They have live streaming of it. All right. So uh, this article here and um, this article here, Biden Harris administration unveils government wide action plans on racial equality. Did you hear about this? Now, this came out, um, what was the date on this? Let's see. This came out uh, a couple, of, uh, about a week or so ago. And it's about a week or so ago that it came out. But this deals with following up on the, um, this deals with following up on an executive order that President Biden did on day one. We've talked about the executive order here on the show before there were 10 executive orders that president Biden did on January 20th, 2021, when he took, uh, the, when he took the oath of office, this article was from April 14th, 2022, Biden, ha- Biden, Harris administration unveiled government wide action, government, government wide action plans on racial equality. I know we're coming up here on a break, but let me squeeze this in. The griot spoke with agency leaders on ways their department plans, uh, on ways their departments plan to fulfill President Biden's executive order to ensure government services are distributed equitably. equitably. The Biden-Harris administration unveiled on Thursday, so this was April 14th, a massive government-wide action plan to advance racial equity across 90 federal agencies with more than with more than 300 strategies and commitments laid out by government leaders okay the announcements from the dozens of federal agencies are the start of fulfilling an executive order signed by president joe biden on the first day in office to advance racial equity across the entire federal government the simple simon ass people that you watch on social media that run their mouths about the biden harris administration did they tell you about this we'll do all this on the other side of the break listen to the african history network show i'm michael m hotel we'll be back in a few minutes jeanette davis is a well-established author with six published books Black Survival in White America from Past History to the Next Century was published in 1995 and it delves into the history of African Americans before slavery up to contemporary times. The Great Divide Between Blacks and Whites was released in 2008, and her autobiography, Black Just Like My Mama, was published in 2010. for Journey. The Business of Beings was released in December 2021, and her two latest books, Echoes from the Heart, Love Throws Poetry, and Master Being Human, were both published in January of 2022. Jeanette Davis' writings delve deeply into the psyche of black people from ancient to contemporary times. She cuts no corners and leaves no stones unturned in relating truth, letting the chips fall where they may on both African and European doorsteps. Order Jeanette Davis's books today at Amazon.com, search for Jeanette Davis, and get to know her work today. An African History Network show we deal with current events and history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Unfortunately, many people confuse what racism is. Racism is a power structure. So it was laws and policies that put us in this predicament. It's going to be laws and policies that take us out. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. We have it on 910 AM Superstation. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, the Future Radio. Okay. Um, I want to go, we're going to go to clip number one here in just a second, Shakita. Uh, so if we uh, revisit this story that we talked about um, on our Sunday show, and I had Dr. Linda Jeffries and Professor Jane Small on, uh, the, the, the CNN has this piece, Civil Rights Groups filed lawsuit over Florida congressional maps, over Florida congressional map signed by DeSantis. Civil rights groups filed lawsuit over Florida congressional map signed by uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, a coalition of civil rights groups has filed the first lawsuit in Florida against the recently enacted congressional map put forward by uh, GOP governor, Ron DeSantis, Republican, that eliminates two districts, that eliminates two districts represented by black Democrats while giving Republicans the advantage in as many as 20 or as in as many as 20 of 28 seats, in as many, in as many as 20 of 28 seats. The GOP controlled Florida, uh, state Legislature approved the map in a special session this week. Uh, this came out Friday, April 22nd. Along, uh, along party lines, Governor Ron DeSantis said he signed the map into law on Friday. Now, uh, I want to go to uh, clip number one here. This is from, uh, this is out of Florida. This is, uh, well, uh, yeah, clip number, should be clip number one out of uh Florida. Let's go to clip number one, Shakita. Okay. Civil rights groups file lawsuit over Florida congressional map uh, signed by DeSantis. Okay, and the uh, the lawsuit filed in state court in Leon County alleges that the map is a Republican gerrymander and violates the Fair District Amendment okay violates the fair district amendment of the florida state constitution by diminishing uh the power of black voters the plaintiffs are asked the plaintiffs are asking the to rule that the map or individual districts violate the fair districts amendment and to order the adoption of a new congressional map the challenge was filed by several florida voters as well as the league of women voters florida black voters matter uh uh, black uh, florida rising and equal ground florida do we have clip number one okay
1: developing tonight a flurry of new laws that will have a major impact on central florida and the state as a whole They have now been signed by the governor. Surrounded by supporters in South Florida, Governor DeSantis signs multiple bills, including one that restricts the way race-related issues can be taught in schools and in the workplace. The other would end Disney's control of Reedy Creek and other special districts across the state. But we start with Florida's new congressional map, which the governor says he also signed today. Thank you for joining us tonight. I'm Matt Osh. And Emily Sebel, opponents have vowed to take their fight to court after state lawmakers approved the redistricting map during a special session this week. It was redrawn by Governor DeSantis after he vetoed the original proposal from state legislators. The governor's map would increase Florida's GOP representation in Congress and dismantle two districts that are now held by black members of Congress. DeSantis and other GOP lawmakers claim the map is neutral on race and party affiliation. Members? <laughs> <laughs> Democratic House members think differently, taking control of the House floor yesterday to delay the vote, calling the new boundaries racist. The bill ultimately passed, but they're vowing to fight it tooth and nail. News 6's Amanda Castro is here with more on the lawsuit that was just filed. Governor Ron DeSantis signed his congressional map into law, and it's already facing legal challenges. Several voting rights groups announcing a lawsuit on Friday, saying the map, approved by the House and Senate during this week's special session, doesn't comply with state redistricting laws.
0: What
2: you have seen from the governor has been thug-like behavior. He is clearly violating the law.
1: State Senator Randolph Bracey, surrounded by fellow members of the legislative black caucus, denouncing the map, calling it unconstitutional, saying the map changes two majority black districts. District 5 in North Florida, and District 10 in Central Florida. State Representative Camille Brown says the map reduces black representation from four congressional seats to two. What we're doing by diminishing it is really silencing the folks. But State Representative Randy Fine disagrees, saying the maps are constitutionally compliant, and this isn't a matter of reducing minority representation. They believe you should get the percentage of seats of people who look like you or act like you or or vote like you. That's not our system in this country. We have single districts and people in those districts vote. Bracey adds this important issue was overshadowed by the bill. The governor also signed into law on Friday that dissolves Disney's Reedy Creek Improvement District.
3: I believe that the Reedy Creek bill and dealing with Disney was designed, the timing was
0: designed that way to overshadow what he was doing with the match. I think that was clear. As
1: of now, no hearings have been set in that lawsuit against the governor's map. But the big question is, how long will this take to play out in the courts? Qualifying for Congress starts in June, and lawmakers on both sides of the aisle say, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Reporting in Orlando, Amanda Castro getting results, News 6.
0: Drinking water before bed. Okay, pause right there. All right, that is um, from out of Florida. That is um, Channel 6. Let's see, WKMG News 6, Orlando, Florida. Uh, That's on their YouTube channel. Black lawmakers accuse DeSantis of thug behavior as voting rights groups sue over redistricting. Okay, and then also check out the article here from uh, the Washington Post. New district map. Uh, Let me flip over to this here. Okay, so we have the one from CNN, and then this one here from uh, the Washington Post. New district map sanctioned by DeSantis passes after protest by black legislators. They were protesting on the uh, state legislature floor. The group of Florida lawmakers chanted and bowed their heads in prayer before before the session went into recess. Okay, this is one of the reasons why Governor Ron DeSantis must be voted out of office, okay? And back in uh, 2018, we're going to clip number two from Roland Martin Unfiltered, in just a second. Back in 2018, when uh, Ron DeSantis ran against um, uh, Andrew Gillum and I was telling people you get, we gotta make sure Ron DeSantis not get in office, vote for Andrew Gillum. His policies were better for African-Americans than Ron DeSantis. And some woke ass people were saying, oh, Ron DeSantis, uh, 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 Andrew Gillum doesn't have a black agenda. And I said, Ron DeSantis has an anti-black agenda and an anti-black agenda is not is worse than not having a black agenda. OK, policies can benefit you. They don't have to say black, African-American to benefit you. I've been I've been on the committee to write an executive order for the city of Detroit. Policies don't have to say black, or African-American to benefit you. One, two. If the majority of the people that have to vote on the bill are white, it's better if it doesn't say black or African-American. There was a reason why most slaves who ran away ran away at nighttime, not in the daytime. They weren't stupid. But some of us today don't have the common sense of a slave. Uh, we're going to go to Roland Martin and filter the, when we come back from the break. I know we're up against a break here. Uh, but read these two articles. We got to do more reading. We have two eyes and two ears, most of us, and one mouth. So we should do four times as much reading, watching, and listening as we do talking. You listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes.
4: The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry. It's larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre. I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time.
5: What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com.
1: Nine, ten. The Superstation, Detroit's only African-American talk radio.
0: All right, welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. Okay, uh, be sure to visit our website, africanhistorynetwork.com. You can register for the uh, online history classes I teach on uh, Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, We just had uh, session number one, class number one of ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Maafa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. We have, we have a new section that just started up Saturday, April 23rd. Class number two is Saturday, May 7th, because I'll be at the One Africa and Unity Conference. You've been hearing the commercials here. Um, so as soon as you register for the class, you can watch class number one. There's bonus content there. There's gonna be some other bonus content I'm gonna upload. like I'm gonna upload my uh, Juneteenth presentation and the interview uh, one of the media outlets did with me doing with the history of Juneteenth. Um, so this class is on sale, $80, regularly $130. We deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. OK, this uh, you can use this information, uh, this content with your children. Also, uh, I would say the content is PG-13. OK, so uh, visit our website, africanhistorynetwork.com dot com. Also, you can email us if you have any questions, email us at ahnshow at com. If you've taken any of my online classes in the past, um, you'll get a 50% discount and a 50% discount on the uh, three-course bundle pack as well, okay? And if you have any questions, you can also uh, uh, give us a call, 313-462-0003, 313-462-0003, Okay. I'm pretty busy, so be sure to leave a, a voicemail message also, all right? Okay, uh, that's the that's the office number for the African History Network, 313-462-0003. All right, I want to go back to this uh, uh, story here. We're going to clip uh, number two, Shakita from Rilla Martin Unfiltered. So this is dealing with Florida, and uh, Governor Ron DeSantis signing – Uh, signing off on a, uh, the redistricting of a congressional map that many say violate the fair districts amendment. And uh, it eliminates two congressional districts, the fifth, uh, congressional district and the 10th congressional district. Okay. In Florida, these are two districts held by African American members of the house of representatives. Uh, district, uh, district five is uh, representative Al Lawson is district five and district 10 is representative uh, Val Demings. Okay. Uh, so, and she's running for us Senator. The map dismantles the state's fifth congressional district currently represented by Democrat Al Lawson, which connects black communities from Tallahassee, Florida to Jacksonville, Florida. Instead, Jacksonville, the city with the largest African American population in Florida, is divided into two Republican leaning districts. The map also shifts the 10th congressional district and Orlando area uh, seat represented by, represented by Val Demings, a Black Democrat now running for U.S. Senate. Uh, it shifts it east toward whiter communities. Okay, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis has contended those districts are racially gerrymandered and suggested they are unconstitutional. Now, keep once again, Florida was the first state to have poll taxes in 1889, followed by Mississippi. What Mississippi did at their Mississippi State Convention in 1890, that we talk about here many times on this show, because so many people don't understand history and don't understand how history is repeating itself, it was known as the Mississippi Plan. And uh, the only Negro who was there, Isaiah T. Montgomery, who was the founder of Bayou, Mississippi, and he was the mayor of Bayou, Mississippi, a former slave and became a wealthy landowner. He voted along with the white supremacists in the state legislature to disenfranchise African-Americans. Now, I don't know if he's related to Senator Tim Scott, black Tea Party Republican from South Carolina. I don't know if he's related, but I wouldn't be surprised if he is. Read this article here from the Washington Post. The Mississippi plan to keep blacks from voting in 1890 we came here to exclude the Negro. We came here to exclude the Negro. That's a direct quote from uh, Solomon Saladin Calhoun, who was the white county judge who presided over the Mississippi State Convention of 1890. And he said exactly what they were there to do. He said, let's tell the truth if if it burst the bottom of the universe, He said, quote, we came here to exclude the Negro. Nothing short of this will answer because African-Americans were the majority of the voters in Mississippi in 1890. Okay, and what and and what they did in Mississippi became known as the Mississippi Plan, which became the model that was used throughout the South to disenfranchise African-American voters. All right, uh, so I wanna go to this clip here. Uh, I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered on uh, Friday, April 22nd, and uh, Roland spoke with Cliff Albright from Black Voters Matter, and then he went to this panel. I was on this panel. Let's go to this clip.
3: Republicans have been attacking Democrats all across the country, especially black people. Florida, they chose to take the racism to a whole new level. Governor Ron DeSantis rejected Uh, The maps that the legislator uh, drew up. So he said I'm gonna drop my own getting rid of two majority black districts already uh, Lawsuits have been filed against uh, Florida as a result of this decision Joining us right now folks is Cliff Albright. He is the uh, co-founder of Black Voters Matter. Glad to have him with us Uh, Cliff um, Look, we expect stupid stuff to happen in Florida. Now we see this uh this is an, an absolute attempt uh by Governor Brown DeSantis to completely uh destroy black representation in Congress.
2: What's up, Dad? yeah. Yeah, um you're absolutely right, Roland. By the way, happy belated anniversary. Appreciate it. Um, no, I mean we, we we're looking at this is even worse than what we saw out of the recent uh situations in Alabama with their maps and, and Louisiana with with their maps and those situations. Uh, you know, the fight was really about whether or not the maps would be changed to give black folks the extra representation that we should have. In this situation, DeSantis, as you already noted, uh, has gone out of his way, in fact, arguing with the, his own Republicans within his state, uh, arguing to to not just to not increase black representation, but to take away two seats, including carving up the the seat that's in, in Northern Florida, which which goes from roughly from Jacksonville over to to Tallahassee, which includes some some rural black populations in between, but literally carving up that one district into four separate districts, none of which would have the ability to elect a, a black representative, taking it from a, a district that has you know close to fifty percent black representation and carving it up into four districts none of which have anything more than 30 than percent, and some as low as in, in the teens. And so, you know, he's he's been very clear about what it is that he was trying to do. In fact, you know, idiotically clear, because he's basically announced that the reason that he was doing this is because he's trying to carve up this black district. Just a, a clear violation, not, not just of the Voting Rights Act, but more importantly, even of Florida law. Um, and a Florida amendment that was passed regarding fair districts back in, in 2010, an amendment that was passed because of what the voters voted for in the state of Florida. So this is an attack on democracy writ large, but obviously on black folks. This is squarely rooted
3: in racism and anti-blackness, and he's not even trying to hide it. And, and look, the reality is whether it's this decision, whether it's uh, him leading the removal of Disney's uh, uh, favorite tax status. Uh, we can go down the line. Ron DeSantis is trying to be Donald Trump 2.0. Uh, he's up for re-election as governor, but he also wants to be run for, He wants to be the Republican nominee for president in 2024. That's what all of these moves are about. And in fact, I dare say that Ron DeSantis, and I said this about Mike Pence, is even more than Donald Trump. We more dangerous than Donald Trump. We knew Donald Trump was a buffoon, uh, but what these folks are even more dangerous than that idiot
2: yeah no definitely and and he's demonstrated it in a variety of ways and and you just mentioned you know some of the things and that's why i always say you know people try to act like voter suppression is just um you know just a, a an administrative um act it's a, it's just a a, a white collar crime right it's a bureaucratic crime no voter suppression is a violent crime it has violent impacts on our lives, and when you have somebody like DeSantis, who's in power because of voter suppression, and is able to do things like "don't say gay" and attacking LGBT rights and attacking Black rights, and, and literally killing people in the state of Florida because of the way that he's handled or mishandled COVID, uh, and, and a protest bill which has literally allowed people to drive cars over protesters. Let's not forget that voter suppression is a violent crime. It is having violent impacts. On our lives and he's using any means necessary to maintain to maintain that keep in mind that, that and, and shout out to the Florida legislators who, in the midst of this vote on this map, decided to do a sit-in um, and not even just a sit in a full out protest because they weren't just sitting quietly they were they had signs and were, were walking around and so shout out to them, but keep in mind what what they did what the the Republicans did in response to that they cut off the internet. Right, which is something that you see in in these these countries that you know people try to, to to paint at as being so authoritarian, dictatorships and all that. They cut off the internet, uh, and and um and then they kicked out the journalists, right? Which again is something that you see in all these authoritarian states. This is what it's come to in the, in the state of Florida. All of it is rooted in anti blackness. But as we often see with racism, structural racism, and white supremacy, what starts off um, geared directly at us, eventually in, infects their entire system. Again, the, 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 the constitutional amendment that he is going against in, in Florida law is an amendment that was passed by the voters of Florida. And so he is going against, he's attacking Black voters in, in the Black community, but in doing so, he is attacking the very nature of Florida democracy and something that Florida voters across the board had voted to approve.
3: Well, I mean, these are the games the Republicans are playing, and um, this is also why uh, many folks have been making it clear that Democrats have got to wake the hell up, pay attention.
0: Okay, pause it right there. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. Uh, Listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. Calling numbers 313-778-7600, 313-778-7600, if you have a quick question or comment. Uh, We'll be back in a few minutes. Abundant Capital Group is a real estate investment company with over 20 years of experience in real estate. They specialize in two areas of real estate. One, they solve real estate problems with creative financing solutions that give the seller the most money for their property. And two, they show individuals how to get a higher rate of return on their investment capital with Real Estate Note Investing. If you are looking to sell or need to sell your property, here is what they provide. Market value offer, even if you have little or no equity, they typically pay all closing costs, which can be thousands of dollars. They close on a date of the seller's choosing and the seller does not have to be out of the house at the time of closing. They take the property in an as is condition and the seller is not required to make any repairs. Give them a call or email them today for a free consultation and see how they can help you with your real estate needs. Call them at 973-475-8488. That's 973-475-8488. Visit their website, AbundantCapitalGroup.com. That's AbundantCapitalGroup.com. And email them at ACG at AbundantCapitalGroup.com. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Abundant Capital Group. Welcome back to the African History Network show. All right. Uh, I want to go back to uh, this clip here from Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, We were talking about the uh, Governor Ron DeSantis signing off on uh, a new congressional map that eliminates two black districts. Roland is speaking with Cliff Albright of Black Voters Matter. Then he goes to his panel. I was on his panel. Let's go back to this clip, please, Shakira.
3: What's going on? Uh, You look at the polling numbers of President Joe Biden, they're down. Uh, They are not as low as Donald Trump's were at this particular point. Uh, And so Democrats are going to have to muster uh, something uh, uh, to say to voters, especially black voters. Otherwise, Otherwise, they're going to get obliterated in November and they very well could take control of the House and the Senate. And if that happens, you're going to see all sorts of federal investigations. Uh, uh, You may see Republicans attempt to impeach uh, President Joe Biden. You're not going to see uh, the black judges that Biden has been appointing get confirmed by the United States Senate. They are going to declare war on black people and America if they are in control of the House and Senate come January 2023.
2: That's right. And, and the only way to keep that from happening, one of the only ways to keep that from happening, and you mentioned it, Roland, Democrats have got to get, including in Congress as well as in the White House, Democrats have got to be just as ruthless about using their power. And yes, I said ruthless. They've got to be just as ruthless about using their power um, for the good, right, um, as, as folks like DeSantis have been for using it for the bad in the name of white supremacy and racism and anti-LGBT and anti-women and and anti-everybody else, right? That's that's their their campaign model, right? Republican Party, we hate everybody. And so, but they don't hate anybody more than black folks. So we need the Democratic candidates, those who are already in office, as well as those that are running for office, to, to be just as clear about their defense about black folks and other marginalized groups and to speak to our issues and to speak so... Unapologetically, that's how you that's how you mobilize a base. President Biden has got to be just as aggressive at using his power and to to protect students and and to waive student loan debt and and to deal with you know police violence and whatever it is that they can do at the executive level. He's got to be just as 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 aggressive at doing that as people like DeSantis are. For using their power for the bad, that is the only way. We're not, we don't counter. We're not going to say that you counter hate with hate, right? But you got to counter power with power, and you got to counter it with righteous power that is rooted in love and is responsive to your base. The same way DeSantis, as you said, this entire move is—he achieves two things: one, he gets to achieve his anti-black fantasies, and two, he gets to establish himself as 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 somebody who's Trumpier than Trump. And as somebody who can, can even stand up to, to Republicans within his own party, the Democrats have got to find that kind of courage and be willing to use their power in the same ways. And the campaign, in a way, that speaks towards that, not that's a campaign in a way that's speaking towards these 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 unicorns that they think are out there that are going to somehow be um, um converted to, to voting for, much the way that one of the, the, the Democratic candidates in Florida, we're not going to go into that stepped on you know uh and stepped on our own toes and, and made some mistakes because she was trying to cater to some trump voters that's not a winning strategy
3: all right then cliff albright always a pleasure man appreciate it thanks a lot thank you all right folks gonna bring in my panel now glad to have them here let's uh start off with uh, Michael M. Imhotep, host of the African History Network, Kelly Bethea, communication strategist, Matt Manning, civil rights attorney. Let's get right into it. Uh, uh, Michael, I'll start with you. Uh, it, it is it is crazy, I mean, just to literally watch what is going on, what, what Ron DeSantis is doing in Florida. I mean, he is really a mini Donald Trump. This man is a menace to society. Um, and, and And you would think that Democrats are coming up with a consistent and coherent, coherent message to take this man down, but they're flailing in Florida. They have no leadership whatsoever.
0: Yeah, you know, Roland, um, back in 2018, when Andrew Gillum was running for governor of Florida against Ron DeSantis, and they had the debate, and Andrew Gillum said, I'm not calling." Mr. DeSantis is a racist. I'm saying the racists believe Mr. DeSantis is a racist. And I was telling people on my show who were in Florida, we have to stop Ron DeSantis. And people were telling me, oh, Andrew Gillum doesn't have a black agenda. They were saying they want to go vote because Andrew Gillum doesn't have a black agenda. I said, "Uh, Ron DeSantis has a black agenda. He has an anti-black agenda. And an anti-black agenda is worse than not having a black agenda. So... Yes, there needs to be better leadership uh, from Democrats fighting, crafting a message, fighting against this. But also, w- when it comes to African Americans, we have to have something, an internal white supremacist detector that goes off and tells us, teaches us how to identify these threats, because we could see this coming. And, that, and DeSantis wants to run for president, and you, you look at the congressional maps, you look at the uh, stop the, uh, the, uh, the anti-woke bill, you look at don't say gay bill, all, all this nonsense. Um, and at some point, I think we're going to come to the realization that we're going to have to uh, leverage our economics to enforce our politics and target some of these corporations who help finance DeSantis and other Republicans and have nationwide economic boycotts against them. I know the boycotts have to be planned, but if we started planning them back in July of 2021 or something like that, or even, you know, we'd be ready to launch them right now. But we're gonna to have to, as Dr. King said, April 3rd, 1968, we're gonna to have to redistribute the pain through targeted, sustained economic withdrawal strategies.
3: That well, 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 Matt, what we are seeing, we, we are seeing on the Democratic side a successful legal strategy. Uh, They have been racking up wins all across the country. Uh, The problem is that's preventing a lot of these maps from going into place. That's trying to stop these voter suppression bills. But you still have to excite voters as to why they should keep you in
6: charge. You absolutely do. And you have to, as Brother Cliff said earlier, you have to really explain the import of why these attacks on voting are so important. The average voter may not understand it, but as we talk about on this show every week, uh, every level of government is important and every level of government is being attacked and leveraged by Republicans right now. So I think you're right in that the, the Democrats have to not only continue that push um, with legislation or rather with the litigation, excuse me, but they also have to make sure that people understand. I think what he said was so brilliant that this is a violent crime. When when voter suppression occurs, it affects every aspect of our life and it generally affects us in particular. And for example, people may not know, but in the city of Miami, the exact same fight is going on right now with a black enclave called Coconut Grove where the city of Miami is trying to dilute their voting potential right there in, in Miami. So. Uh, Democrats need to continue leveraging this point and they need to continue educating on this point so people understand just how important it is to fight against this voter suppression.
0: Okay, now I'll, I want to look at this here quickly here. We've um, got the the article that I talked about. Uh, read this one here. We're going to talk about this some more on tomorrow's show. Uh, this is from thegrio.com. This got very, very little news coverage. Still trying to figure out why. Biden Harris administration unveils government-wide action plans on racial equity. This is April fourteenth, twenty twenty. Now, this references the um, this references this uh, fact sheet that came out April fourteenth, twenty twenty-two. Uh, that's not the that's not the right one that I want. I want the one from April fourteenth. Uh, there's a fact sheet that came out April fourteenth, twenty twenty-two. Uh, Biden-Harris administration releases agency equity action plans um, and racial justice across the federal government. Okay, and this is what uh, this article and this announcement is in reference to. But uh, I'll pull this up here uh, after the show. But read this article here because the executive order, this references an executive order that Biden signed on day one. He signed 10 executive orders on the first day in office January 20th 2021 this announcement here references executive order 13985 13985 it's at whitehouse.gov where all this other stuff is that people don't read is that whitehouse.gov you can read it for yourself the biden harris administration unveiled on Thursday a massive government-wide action plan to advance racial equity across 90 federal agencies with more than 300 strategies and commitments laid out by government leaders the the announcement from the dozens of federal agencies are the start of fulfilling an executive order signed by president joe biden on his first day in office day one you can go read the 10 executive orders he did on day one on his first day in office to advance racial equity across the entire federal government. In a video announcing the racial equity action plans, President Joe Biden acknowledged that the commitments laid out by his administration must not be seen as just a one-year project, but a generational commitment, not a one-year project, but a generational commitment. These plans are, are an important step forward reflecting the Biden-Harris administration's work to make the promise of America real for every American, uh, Joe Biden said. Read the rest of this article here. I saw very little media coverage on this. The Grio, which is black owned and operated, had an article on this. I don't know who else covered this. Uh, those watching on Facebook and YouTube, keep watching for a few more minutes. We're going to keep on going. Uh, right now, it's correct. Wrong behavior It's not over till we win. We'll count kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Okay, this is this is the one that I want right here. So this is from this is that WhiteHouse.gov where all this other information is. It's not like it's a secret. Fact sheet. Biden-Harris administration releases agency equity plan, agency equity action plans to advance equity and racial justice across the federal government. This is a follow-up to an executive order that President Joe Biden did on the first day in office that very few people talk about. This is from April 14th, 2022. How many people knew about this? How many people read the article from the Grio? Did you see media coverage on this? On his first day in office, President Joe Biden signed executive order 13985, advancing racial equity uh and support for underserved communities through the federal government okay executive order 13985 let me see let's go back to this where is that right here okay that historic executive order directed the whole w-h-o-l-e directed the whole of the federal government to advance an ambitious equity and racial justice agenda. Let us see if we can increase the size of this. Okay, let's look at uh, top of the large, fund size, all right. Today, more than 90 federal agencies, including all cabinet level agencies, are releasing the first ever, first ever in history, the first ever equity action plans that lay out more than 300 concrete strategies and commitments to address systemic barriers in our nation's policies and programs that hold too many underserved communities back from prosperity, dignity, and equality. Who heard about this? Once again, I saw very little coverage in the media. Advancing equity is not a one-year project, it is a generational commitment. These plans are an important step forward, reflecting the Biden-Harris administration's work to make the promise of America real for every American, including by implementing the first ever national strategy on gender equity and equality, working to ensure the federal government is a model for diversity, diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility, working to deliver environmental justice through the justice 40 initiative, and working to prevent and combat discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation. Now they go through and break this down, um, Let's see here, they go through and Department of Labor. uh, Okay, Department of Labor, Department of Housing, uh, HUD. They go through and break down HUD. The Department of Housing and Urban Development is working to uh, eliminate the racial gap in home ownership, address the disproportionate rates of homelessness among underserved communities and, re- and reduce bias in home appraisals, reduce bias in home appraisals. Now, we talked about this, um, I, think it was, I think it was in the month of March, that they, uh, the Biden Harris administration rolled out something to deal with reducing bias in home appraisals, which directly attacks uh, the wealth gap, the racial wealth gap, and generational wealth as well or the lack thereof, and reduce uh, and reduce bias in home appraisals through the Interagency Task Force on Property Appraisal and Valuation uh, Equity. Uh, then they talk about the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, is developing a comprehensive framework for evaluating the cumulative impacts of pollution on underserved low-income communities. The EPA will also reinvigorate uh reinvigorate civil rights enforcement to ensure that environmental justice is at the heart of the agency's mission they talk about the department of transportation uh, is increasing investments in underserved communities increasing investments in underserved communities by launching a national technical assistance center to provide targeted support with planning project development grant applications and project delivery for communities that face barriers to act to assessing uh, accessing transportation resources, we also know that part of the 1.2 trillion dollar infrastructure bill, part of that is going to address how uh, uh, African American communities, especially, were harmed by the uh, 1952 and 1956 uh, U.S. interstate highway acts that drove 41,000 miles of interstate highways throughout our communities, disrupting our communities. Our homes are taken through, many of our homes are taken through eminent domain, businesses wiped out, things like this. This part of that $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, the secretary of transportation, Pete Buttigieg has talked about, it it, it it hasn't gotten a whole lot of coverage, however, but, but that's to start to address the damage that was done to our communities by the U.S. highways. The Department of Justice is improving language uh, access to its programs so that Americans with limited English proficiency can better report crimes. Uh, okay, then the, the, they talk about the Department of Interior. Uh, the Department of Commerce is investing nearly fifty billion dollars in broadband infrastructure deployment affordability and digital inclusion efforts to help close the digital divide, particularly for rural and tribal communities. And we know 25% of African Americans live in rural America. The Department of um, Health and Human Services is increasing outreach to communities of color to encourage enrollment in free and low cost healthcare, free and low cost healthcare, and is addressing the maternal mortality crisis so we we, we know that also um, uh, vice president Kamala harris just held uh, a uh, summit at the uh, White house dealing with uh, black maternal health week as well okay black maternal uh black maternal mortality week black maternal health week uh, also because she's been shining a light going back to december 2021 when she held the first summit on um, uh black maternal uh, health at the White House, she's been shining a light on this as well. The, and it's addressing the maternal mortality crisis that disproportionately impacts black and native families, including by working with states to extend postpartum coverage in Medicaid and the children's health insurance program. Then they talk about the Department of Homeland Security uh, is working to ensure underserved communities are treated fairly in airport screenings, by improving systems and enhancing training for officers. Uh, DHS is is also engaging uh, with uh, with improving underserved communities access to grant programs that help counter domestic violent extremism, white supremacists. Domestic violent extremism to better address the terrorism related threat to our country posed by white supremacists, posed by white supremacists and other domestic terrorists, most of them probably voted for Donald Trump too. I don 't know that for certain, but just having done radio for twelve years and uh covering down and you know reporting on Donald Trump, uh, most of them probably voted for Donald Trump also um, The Department of Defense is advancing safe and equitable use of artificial intelligence technology to mitigate algorithmic bias. By investing in agency-wide responsible artificial intelligence development and investing in the development of a more diverse AI workforce, including through partnerships with historically black colleges and universities and MSI's minority-serving institutions. Uh, US Department of Agriculture is expanding equity access to nutrition assistance programs and strengthening gender equity by implementing a national awareness campaign and expanding the implementation of online ordering in the women infants and children nutrition program (WIC). the small business administration is investing in improved technology to increase access to capital for for businesses in underserved communities and minority-owned businesses by streamlining program applications and integrating data. The social security administration, which was created in 1935 under the new deal from President Franklin Roosevelt, is identifying inequalities and addressing systemic administrative barriers to participation in key safety net programs such, such as disability benefits. You know anybody getting SSI? such as disability benefits and ensuring equitable service delivery for unrepresented individuals navigating the disability application appeals process and increased gender equity in its services. Uh, Then, okay, so then we go to embedding equity in everyday government. Embedding equity in everyday government. In addition, to prioritizing uh, greater equity in the services the federal government provides to American people, agency equity action plans also contain innovative new strategies to embed equity racial justice and gender equality in day-to-day governing. These approaches include building accountability for equity through data collection and reporting um, then we have reducing administrative burdens and simplifying government services, reimagining uh, federal service design and delivery through life experiences. and there's uh, there's subheadings for all the there's uh, a description of all these uh, headings, so you can go, go read this yourself. Engaging with stakeholders and communities who have been historically excluded to ensure government policies are informed, By the broadest cross-section of Americans, agencies are engaging trusted intermediaries and tailoring outreach to make meaningful and authentic participation possible for a wide range of Americans. Narrowing wealth gaps through federal contracting and procurement. Narrowing wealth gaps through federal contracting and procurement. As the largest buyer in the world, as the largest buyer in the world, world, the U.S. federal government will address racial and gender wealth gaps by leveraging the power of federal procurement to drive greater investment in minority owned and women owned small businesses. Um, and, I, you know, we didn't have the federal government contracts, but we had contracts with the city of Detroit, county of Wayne and the state of Michigan. When I was doing business consulting and then also managing a, a, a construction company, uh, well, we, we were running we we, uh, we ran a um, construction trades program, and then we became a general contractor for a city of Detroit project. Okay, so I've been involved in in bidding on government contracts, things like this, and it's a lucrative business. And most of our employees were African Americans that we were paying. And these government contracts are reallocation of taxpayer dollars. So we pay taxes. We need to go get this money. Like Frank Lucas said, I'm going to get that money in American Gangster. OK, we need to go get that money. Delivering equity through grant. Making. Let me back up uh, right here. This is important. Narrowing wealth gaps through federal contracting and procurement. As the largest buyer in the world, the U.S. federal government will address racial and gender wealth gaps by leveraging the power of federal procurement to drive greater investment than minority-owned and women-owned small businesses. And what happens is I know with the the county of Wayne, which is the county that Detroit is in, they had um, certifications for... Minority owned businesses, women owned businesses, because when you bid on contracts and I put together bid packages for the contracts, I had to take us through the process of being recertified as a vendor for the county of Wayne, because you can't just jump up and say, hey, we can do that job. Give us the give us the contract, things like this. You have to go through a process to become a vendor of a municipality, of a county, of a state there's a process you have to go through to be an authorized vendor so you can bid on contracts a lot of us don't have the paperwork together don't go through the process to actually become an authorized vendor of a city county state federal government to be able to bid on the contracts so when you when when you have those different types of certifications uh small business uh, there was a small business certification. There was a, a, a women-owned business certification and a minority-owned business certification. When you apply uh, for the contract, you, when you put in a bid uh, or put in a proposal for the contract, you got extra points because they had a point scoring system. It wasn't just looking at the uh, who had the lowest bid. It was a point scoring system. You got extra points for having those certifications. Being minority owned, uh, women owned, uh, meaning that uh, a woman was, I think it was, uh, a woman was either 50% or 51% owner in the business, something like that. It'll vary from uh, government to government. And then you got a small business, women owned, and minority owned. You got extra points on the scoring when you. Uh, submitted a proposal for it, for, for a contract. Delivering equity through grant making. Okay. Persistent barriers make it difficult for under resourced and underserved communities to be aware of, to be aware of compete for and effectively deploy federal grants for everything from infrastructure, for, for everything from infrastructure to medical research. Cause a lot of times people, if you're not in the loop, If you maybe don't know somebody in the, in the government entity to wire you up when these contracts are coming down, you may not even know about it until you see on the news somebody got a contract. Agencies are addressing these barriers. By helping underserved communities learn about and navigate federal funding opportunities, expanding capacity building efforts and embedding a focus on equity into decision-making about how to award federal grants. All right. Uh, Advancing equity through the $1.9 trillion American rescue plan and bipartisan infrastructure law implementation. Now no Republicans in the house or or the Senate voted for the $1.9 trillion American rescue plan. And one of the things it did uh, uh, and and, uh, even though it even helped, Republicans that voted for the Republicans they didn't even support the bill have forty six and a half billion dollars in there in rental assistance for renters and for landlords forty six and a half billion dollars. the four billion dollars in debt forgiveness for African American farmers and latino farmers Native American farmers that got blocked by jealous white farmers who sued to to stop the funding and, and said that their constitutional rights were being violated because they were they were not allowed to take advantage of the debt forgiveness, even though white farmers got almost twenty six billion dollars in covid-19 relief from the Trump administration and African-American farmers only got twenty six million out of the twenty six billion that white farmers got. That was in 2020 under the Trump administration. And the white farmers weren't claiming discrimination against African-American farmers at the time when we were being dis- being discriminated against, okay? So we need to really go research what's in that $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan that we talked about numerous times here on this show. It's also at whitehouse.gov as well. They have a fact sheet on that. The president has made equity a priority in the implementation of two of the most ambitious legislative packages and generations with the goal of ensuring an inclusive response and recovery from the pandemic and in rebuilding our nation's infrastructure. Okay. So check this out. That's just a summary of these six pages here. Who knew about this? Who actually read this before I showed it to you? Who knew about this? Who saw this before I showed this to you? This came out April 14th, 2022. Fact sheet Biden Harris administration releases agency equity plan Agency, action, agency equity action plans to reduce equity and racial justice across the federal government, which is a follow up to an executive order that Biden signed on his first day in office. Executive order 13985. And this fact sheet here is what the article from uh, the Grio.com dot com picked up by Yahoo News is talking about. There was very little. There there, there, was, there was very little coverage. Well, actually, on MSNBC, I ain't seen nothing on this. The only articles I've really seen on this are from thegrio.com. So, read this here Biden Harris administration unveils government wide action plans on racial equity. We talked about it uh, for a couple of minutes on um, uh, Roland Martin and Filter because we have so much to cover. But this needs to get more coverage. This needs to get more coverage. Okay. Uh, so we're running out of time here on tomorrow's show. We'll talk about what came out today dealing with, um, student loan debt. We talked about the, we talked about this briefly at the top of the show. We'll discuss this some more tomorrow. This is from uh, businessinsider.com. They they picked the story up from cbsnews.com. Biden reportedly told lawmakers he's looking for ways to forgive most federal debt. So there was a meeting that took place, and this story came out Tuesday. There was a meeting that took place uh, between Biden and the Hispanic uh, Caucus, okay? Um, And he talked about this in the meeting. President Joe Biden appears to be going beyond his campaign pledge when it comes to uh student loan forgiveness. CBS News reported on Tuesday, April 27th, that in the 90-day that in a that in a 90-minute uh Monday meeting, Monday, April 26th, in am sorry, um, Monday, April 25th. This came, this was uh, Tuesday, April 20th in a Monday meeting. With some members of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, Biden said he has asked his aides to explore options of broad forgiveness for federal loans, broad forgiveness of federal loans. A lawmaker in attendance reportedly told the news outlet CBS News quote, they're looking at different options on what they can do on forgiving it entirely. They're looking at different options of what they can do uh, on forgiving it entirely. That was our request uh, uh, what they can do period on forgiving it on forgiving it entirely. That was our request. One of the lawmakers said who requested to re, re, uh, remain anonymous. Now CBS later updated its story to clarify that Biden did not say anything about forgiving all student debt but is open to going beyond his $10,000 loan forgiveness campaign pledge, okay? Uh, so it's about $1.6 trillion in student loan debt, about 44 million Americans. Uh, the Washington Post later confirmed that, rep- that reporting, it later confirmed the reporting from CBS News. Representative Tony Cardenas, one of the meeting attendees told the Washington Post that Biden was incredibly positive, quote unquote, incredibly positive about the idea of canceling at least $10,000 in student debt. And Representative Darren Soto, another attendee, uh, added that canceling student debt is something Biden would like to carry out sooner rather rather than later, sooner rather than later, but he wants to be sure doing so will not add to any inflationary pressures. With Biden himself having been fairly quiet on what actions he would take on student debt, this could mark a significant step toward broad relief. Earlier this month, uh, Biden extended the pause on student loan payments with waived interest through August 31st. He also announced a plan to return over 7 million borrowers in default to good standing. How many people heard about this? He, people think there's nothing taking place with student loan debt. That's not true. You have to read. This, this is the type of information we cover on this show. He also announced a plan to return over 7 million borrowers in default to good standing. Since then, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki noted Biden will make a decision on canceling student debt before the pause expires on August 31st, or he will extend the pause again and Biden's latest comments are indicating progress toward uh toward that decision. All right. Now, read the rest of this here. Now, there is a okay, do we do I have the article up from uh Forbes uh no, there was an article from Forbes Where's the uh there was one, hold on. This one from Forbes, I wanted to go to, okay, $1.7 trillion in student debt. Now, um, where is, hold on, let me see something here. Oh, okay. I think I have it here on my rundown sheet. There is... There's an article from uh Fortune, I think it was Fortune magazine. We posted this on our Facebook fan page the African History Network. Forbes. This one from Forbes. Thousands of jobs qualify for expanded student loan forgiveness. Okay. Now I posted this article when it came out. How many people saw this? This is from forbes.com, March 1st, 2022.
3: Uh, let's look over this article here
0: Okay, let's do this one here All right. So this one from uh, Forbes.com. Let's go this. This is from March 1st, 2022. Thousands of jobs qualify for expanded student loan forgiveness program. Thousands of jobs qualify for expanded student loan forgiveness program. Under a temporary expansion, of a key federal student loan forgiveness program for public service workers thousands of jobs will qualify and a million borrowers borrowers may ultimately benefit have you heard about this thousands of jobs will co- qualify and 1 million borrowers may ultimately benefit new changes to student loan forgiveness program for public service workers Okay, the public service loan forgiveness PSLF program can wipe out the federal student loan debt for borrowers committed to public service careers. PSLF was established in 2007, but, but its original eligibility rules were complex and poorly communicated to borrowers. PSLF restricted student loan forgiveness to borrowers with direct program federal student loans only other types of federal student loans were excluded. The program also required borrowers to repay their loans under an income driven repayment plan, leaving out, uh, leaving out borrowers who were making payments under most other plans. Okay. Now, late, late October, 2021, the Biden Harris administration announced a broad temporary new initiative to expand PCLF relief called the limited PCLF waiver. The expansion will allow borrowers to get credit for periods of repayment that would not have qualified under the original PCLF rules. This includes past payments made on non-direct federal loans like FFEL loans or Perkins loans, as well as payments made under non-qualifying repayment plans, according to the Biden-Harris administration, 70,000 borrowers have already received $5 billion in student loan forgiveness. Okay, under the waiver, and officials expect hundreds of thousands more to ultimately benefit from the temporary relief. Okay, so you have that. Then you have student loan forgiveness for nonprofit workers. Student loan forgiveness for nonprofit workers. All right. Now, full-time employment for designated five hundred one c three nonprofit five hundred one c three nonprofit organizations generally qualifies for PS uh, LF. Many nonprofit organizations are five hundred one c threes, including private nonprofit academic institutions nonprofit hospitals and charitable organizations uh nonprofit organizations that are not 501c3s may or may not qualify for example partisan political organizations and labor unions generally won't be eligible other types of nonprofit organizations may or may not count but the department of education makes these determinations on a case by case basis Then you have student loan forgiveness for public servants, student loan forgiveness for public servants, full-time employment for any domestic uh, government entity would qualify for PSLF as well in most cases. This would include a government agency at any level, federal, state, or municipal city, as well as public institutions like public schools. Public institutions like public schools Public school teachers, public school employees. Employment for quasi public agencies or private organizations established by governments may not count. Read the rest of this here. Okay, read the rest of this. Then you have student loan forgiveness for religious work. When PSLF was first enacted, religious oriented work, uh, such as leadership, leading worship services, or engaging in religious instruction, was specifically excluded from PSLF eligibility, even if the borrower was a full-time employee of a 501c3 non organization such as, a, such as a church, synagogue, or mosque. However, new regulations that became effective last year under the Biden-Harris administration expanded qualifying PSLF employment to include religious work. Then you have student loan forgiveness for part-time work. Generally, qualifying PSLF employment must be full-time and at least 30 hours per week on average. However, borrowers can also qualify through, through part-time work. To do so, they must have at least two part-time positions that are each with a qualifying PSLF employer and their combined working hours must be at least 30 hours per week, okay? Uh, employment position does not matter. Unlike other federal loan uh, forgiveness programs such as teacher loan forgiveness or Perkins loans, Loan Forgiveness, PSLF does not limit eligibility to specific occupations or job titles. The employment requirements simply mandate that the employer itself qualifies. So, So, for example, qualifying employment at a public school could include any number of professions including teachers administrators coaches guidance counselors and school nurses okay read the rest of this here how many people heard about this this came out March 1st 2022 how many people heard about this okay the requirement is however the require uh, that requirement is way okay, okay read the rest of this here okay now how to get more information? The education department has revamped its online PCLF help tool. They have a link here for it, which allows borrowers to get a preliminary assessment as to whether their employment may qualify for the loan forgiveness. Okay. Um, now, already close to $17 billion. So they have a link here to another article. Already close to $17 billion in student loan debt has been forgiven by the Biden Harris administration. Have you heard about this? Okay, now, if all this is going on and you haven't heard about any of this, then, you know, you have to ask yourself, why? Now, where are you getting your information from? Where are you getting your news from? Yes, I've said before, the Biden Harris administration has a messaging problem. But all this stuff here, the articles are written on this stuff. So we need to read also. Biden's student loan forgiveness now tops $16 billion after the newest wave of approvals. Have you heard about this? This is from February 21st, 2022. Can I close this ad out? Okay. The Biden administration, the Biden-Harris administration has now approved at least $16 billion in student loan forgiveness. Now, that was February 20, 21st, 2022. It's, it's uh, at least $17 billion now. According to the Department of Education following last week's announcement of newly approved eligible borrowers, Biden's targeted student loan forgiveness, the $16 billion in student loan cancellation approved so far reflects the Biden's, uh, Biden administration's targeted approach to wiping out student debt officials are trying to ease access to existing student loan forgiveness programs by relaxing program requirements requirements expediting approvals and expanding the pools of eligible borrowers the administration has approved seven point eight billion dollars in federal student loan cancellation for more than four hundred thousand disabled borrowers Okay, under the total and permanent disability tpd discharge program uh through its TPD discharge initiatives the the education department is providing uh automatic the education department is providing um is providing automatic okay let's see uh under the TPD uh, discharge program due to the failure of some borrowers to return paperwork related. Let me back up here. Okay. The education department is providing automatic discharges for certain borrowers who are receiving Social Security disability benefits. Okay. So read the rest of this here. Then it goes through. Uh, okay. Also provided $5 billion in student loan forgiveness for 70,000 borrowers through fixes to the PC, uh, to the public service loan forgiveness program. So we just talked about that. Uh, And then the department announced last week that it approved $415 million in borrower defense claims for 16,000 borrowers who who attended ITT technical institutes, DeVry, Westwood College, Minnesota School of Business and Global and Globe University. The department had previously approved another $1.2 billion in federal student loan cancellation for borrowers who had attended ITT uh, uh, Technical Institute. Because one of the things that they've been doing is focusing on predatory colleges. And predatory colleges disproportionately target African-Americans and Latinos and they run the commercials during daytime television and people, you know, then they they, they get people to take out these exorbitant student loans. Then after they go through the program, get the certificate get the diploma, whatever it is, then oftentimes they don't place them in in a job that has anything to do with their certification and they're stuck with the student loan debt. So they've been, so they've been going hard on uh, targeting Uh, Student loan forgiveness for people who are saddled with debt from predatory colleges. Okay, so read the rest of this here. Okay, this came out, this was from February 21st, 2022, from Forbes.com. All right, so now it's it's at least 17 billion because I've been looking at this. It's about 700,000, at least 700,000 people that have gotten $17 billion in student loan forgiveness. All right. So read those articles there. You see, this is the type of information we cover here. All all this nonsensical stuff floating around, I don't have time to deal with. Okay, we have real issues uh, to deal with. All right. If you like this type of information, you want to support the African History Network, we definitely need your support. Uh, You can support us in a couple of ways. Dollar Sign, the AHN Show through Cash App. Sign the AHN show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Uh, this helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, pay the bills, buy these ink cartridges, buy all this paper that I use, uh, pay for these services. And we have the information at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. This is our official Cash App account, dollar sign, the AHN show, S H O W. When you go to it, it says Michael and shows my picture here. These other ones are fake African History Network Cash App accounts that I'm trying to get shut down because uh, they've been stealing money from us. Uh, Cash App has launched an investigation into these fake accounts. We have our link here and the PayPal button uh, also. Now, uh, and then you can register for the online history classes I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. We just had a fantastic class number one of ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach in school. That was on Saturday, April 23rd. Uh, class number two is Saturday, May 7th, okay? 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. As soon as you register, you can watch class number one. There's bonus content that you can watch. Uh, There's an interview I did with uh, uh, Dr. David M. Hotep, who wrote the book, The First Americans Were Africans Documented Evidence. It's actually him uh, speaking to my class. I had him in my class, one of my previous classes, and there's going to be other bonus content that we upload as well. Classes on sale, $80, regularly $130. As soon as you register, you can start watching content. Uh, You can ask questions in the class also through the live text chat. And uh, you can see me in the class, I can't see you. So you don't have to you don't have to worry about getting dressed up or anything like that for the class. We do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. So you can go back and watch it any time. So even a year from now, you'll still have full access to the class. You can go back and watch it, all right. Um, and then the, the second class that I teach, we have starting up uh, class number one starts up Sunday, May 8th from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power. 1865 to 1968. And we have a bundle pack right now. You get all three classes, including great African women, in history, the mothers of civilization. You get all three classes for $120. Uh, that's a $285 value. If you've taken any of my online classes in the past, email me at 8 show at com. AHN Show at com, and you'll get a 50% discount. All right. Okay, look, we have to get out of here. Um, And we have the information also about the One Africa Power and Unity Conference as well. You can register for that. Uh, If you can't attend in person, you can uh, live stream the uh, conference, uh, both days of the conference. So we have the information at our website also. I'm going to post the link here. Um, And give us a thumbs up, give us a heart, give us a like um, on on Facebook and YouTube on these broadcasts and we were broadcasting throughout the day on our social media platforms uh, as well you can download the iHeartRadio app and listen to the African History Network show uh, because we have a a page there on um, iHeartRadio about 300 of our podcasts uh, archived there and we're on 10 different audio podcast platforms so wherever you get your podcast from Search for the African History Network show. Uh, we're on Google Podcasts, iTunes, Castbox, FM Player, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, Blog Talk Radio. So, a number of different platforms. Okay, all right. Look, we have to get out of here. Remember, the African History Network show we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people uh, of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct, wrong is not over till we win, we're kind of forever, and uh. We'll talk to you tomorrow on our Wednesday show. Our guest is going to be Professor Kabahiawatha Kamene, uh, who's going to be one of the presenters at the One Africa Power and Unity Conference. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Peace. Jeanette Davis is a well established author with six published books. Black Survival in White America from Past History to the Next Century was published in 1995, and it delves into the history of African Americans before slavery up to contemporary times. The Great Divide Between Blacks and Whites was released in 2008 and her autobiography, Black Just Like My Mama was published in 2010. Soulful Journey, The Business of Beings was released in December, 2021 and her two latest books, Echoes from the Heart, Love Throws Poetry and Master Being Human were both published in January of 2022. Jeanette Davis' writings delve deeply into the psyche of black people from ancient to contemporary times. She cuts no corners and leaves no stones unturned in relating truth, letting the chips fall where they may on both African and European doorsteps. Order Jeanette Davis's books today at Amazon.com, search for Jeanette Davis, and get to know her work today.
4: The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry, it's larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre, I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. That's just one person, and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time.
5: What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com.
0: iRedify is a black owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African American authors, Afro Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read e books, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today. Abundant Capital Group is a real estate investment company with over 20 years of experience in real estate. They specialize in two areas of real estate. One, they solve real estate problems with creative financing solutions that give the seller the most money for their property and two they show individuals how to get a higher rate of return on their investment capital with real estate note investing if you are looking to sell or need to sell your property here is what they provide market value offer even if you have little or no equity they typically pay all closing costs which can be thousands of dollars They close on a date of the seller's choosing and the seller does not have to be out of the house at the time of closing. They take the property in an as-is condition and the seller is not required to make any repairs. Give them a call or email them today for a free consultation and see how they can help you with your real estate needs. Call them at 973-475-8488. That's 973-475-8488. Visit their website, AbundantCapitalGroup.com. That's AbundantCapitalGroup.com. And email them at ACG at capitalgroup.com. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Abundant Capital Group.